today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio and on Spreaker. Actually, we're moving our program over to Spreaker, and that's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. So that'll be our main platform. We'll, We'll still be up on Blog Talk Radio, but We're moving over to Spreaker. And we have, of course, our two books on Amazon. Paula White, President Trump's pastor, the miracle-selling huckster, who became the spiritual advisor to the world's most powerful man. And I always say, how did that happen? (laughs) Figure that one out. The other day... uh, Paula White said that she led Michael Jackson to the Lord. I don't know how she could lead anybody to the Lord because she doesn't know the Lord herself. So I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, our other book, Seed Faith, Can a Man Bribe God? How False Teachers Manipulate and Hypnotize You for Offerings. And they do, they do. And... uh, We're going to be talking about the father of the Seed Faith Movement today, Oral Roberts. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It'll be part one, because there's so much information on Oral Roberts. You you really have to spend a few hours on this topic. So we'll have part one this week, and then next week we'll have part two. So... As I was going over looking at Facebook this morning, I saw that our friend Ron Roby posted a video about Creflo Dollar. Now, Creflo Dollar has finally read his Bible <laughs> concerning tithing. Now, if you want to tithe, that's up to you, but it's not required. It never was money. And... So, New Testament giving is about love, loving your neighbor as yourself, following the royal law of love. And so, it's not about being cursed if you don't give 10%. And these kind of teachings that people made up. And it's been very successful because even for Creflo Dollar, now that he's telling people to disregard all his books and tapes and videos and whatever he taught on tithing, that he's he's growing, he's growing. How many years has he been in the ministry now? Like, what, 30? and Or more years, probably. Taking in hundreds of millions of dollars through extortion, extorting people for tithes. Although he's not alone, because most of the, the megachurches today, they couldn't make it if they didn't bang people over the head every week for 10%. And then they want to tell you that 
it's the blessing of God. Well, it's not the blessing of God. The blessing of God is when you don't tell anybody what you need, and God does it all by himself. Then you can say God did it, but if you're, if you're uh, telling people that you have to give 10% to me, and then you build a hundred millions of dollars worth of tithe money, and that's how you build your ministry. Well, that's not God. It's extortion, plain and simple. Anyway, he's, he's had a reawakening. We do thank God for that. And uh, there's a video up there next week, or the week after anyway. Maybe I'll bring Ron Roby on and we'll talk about it because he said that he'll probably lose a lot of invitations, which he will. He will. He, he'll lose friends over it because... They'll still be the his friends like Kenneth Copeland and that crowd where they still have to hang on to tithing, even if they know it's not true. And if they would read their Bibles, they would find out tithing was never money. So you, you, you can't collect tithes in the New Testament. If you're going to collect tithe money, then you, you bring your pastor some agricultural products like potatoes or corn or... <laughs> Uh, see how that goes over, right? <laughs> it's much better, and and in the 12 years that we've been here, and it's hard to believe that we've been doing this program for 12 years, but we've never taken up one offering, not one, no. If God wants this program, and if he wants me to do this program, then he, it's his work, and he'll provide. So you don't have to bang people over the head. And I'm going to preach the gospel anyway, whether I have a radio broadcast or not. Because I still I still have a mouth, which is free to open. <laughs> and we can still have some outlets out there on the internet that haven't been censored. Of course, we're you just don't know. There's uh, there's so much censorship going on now, so we don't really know how much longer we're going to have. And then, you see, even like this tithing thing, we've been talking about this for years, and there's so many other people that talk about it, that this whole tithing, the tithing lie. And so these people, it's, a hard, it's hard for them to even teach these things anymore because... The people in their congregation are looking at YouTube and they're looking on the internet and they're seeing books and tapes and videos where people are teaching the real truth about tithing so then they can go up to the pastor or the pester at that point if he's collecting tithe money and tell him, well, how come look at this and look at that? And uh, so how, how, how long can, the, can these uh, men deny the truth of the word of God since they're supposed to be teaching it? And so there was somebody saying, well, Creflo's hypnotized his and manipulated his congregation for so long, which he has, but it, it's their fault. It's the people sitting in the, in the pew. They have a Bible. Why can't they read it? And you have every right to uh, confront in a nice way, I mean, in a nice way, if somebody is teaching, I don't care who it is, if somebody's teaching false doctrine, you have a right to confront them 
and uh, it, but it might be your particular interpretation of what you think false doctrine is too. So, because you can, for instance, I was in the church and this was in the 1990s and the pastor was in love with Mike Murdoch and that crowd. And then when I, I would have these seminars there at the church and I would teach against seed faith and I would teach against making merchandise of God's people. Well, they didn't like it. They didn't like it. So there'll be people that will come against you because of the truth. But the truth always wins because it is written. So anybody that wants the truth, all you have to do is open your Bible and you'll find it. So these people that attend these mega churches, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a mega church, but they go there like little lost sheep and they just believe everything that is being told from the pulpit. And a lot of these churches tell you that when you come to this place, you're going to hear God's word and, and uh, I'm your teacher, I'm your shepherd. And, and well, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the main shepherd. And it's the responsibility of the men in the, in the uh, pulpits and the women, wherever they may be, uh, to tell people to read the Bible for themselves and learn for themselves. Because you can't just live on milk. Eventually, you have to live on the meat of the word. And it's your responsibility. You can't just be, expect to go someplace every week and be spoon-fed the word of God, and then you never grow up for yourself. And it's not right for any man or woman to teach people to depend on them to be fed God's word. It's nice to go someplace once a week or twice a week or whatever and go in there and fellowship and somebody teaches the word. That's fine. But you're responsible for feeding yourself. It's like when you're a baby. When you're a baby, your mother has to feed you or your father has to feed you. It's just like when you're a baby Christian. Okay, somebody has to feed you. But then you grow up. <laughs> you grow up and you find things out for yourself. And that's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to many of my listeners where you start reading the Bible and you say, well, wait a minute, uh, where, I, where I'm going on Sunday, they're not telling me the truth about this. And in fact, they don't even really want to tell you the truth because manipulation, especially in the area of finances, it works. It works. Look at what these people have built over the years on extorting tithe money. They've built billion-dollar television networks. They've built hundreds of millions of dollars worth of mega churches with how many they call them campuses now, like it's a college or something, which most of these guys aren't even teaching the truth of God's word anyway. And uh, so it works, it's successful, but it's not worth it. If you really love God and you love God's people, it's just not worth it to have to put up with What's going on at night when you put your head on your pillow 
and maybe you're tossing and turning and then you have to wind up on some kind of medication or alcohol or chasing women or whatever to try to ease your guilty conscience because of what you're doing to God's people. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So we hope that uh, Creflo Dollar will continue to grow in the Lord and to, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens because I'm not saying that this will happen with Creflo. I hope it doesn't. But just like Benny Hinn, Benny Hinn says, I'm not going to teach the $1,000 seed anymore. No, that's not of God. Well, as soon as the money starts drying up, and it's a lot harder to uh, get people to send you offerings when you don't ask. (laughs) Because most people aren't sitting there at home saying, or asking God, what ministry would you like me to support? Most of them aren't doing that. They're watching television or they're listening to the radio or they're listening to some preacher on the internet saying, send me this amount of money and send me that amount of money and I have this project and I have that project. And so uh, they tell you, ministers tell you, when I used to hang around with ministerial associations and that they would, some of the ministers would tell me, well, you have to have a project because if you have a project then people will support you. Like if you're feeding people in Africa or you have an orphanage in Haiti or something like that, you'll, you'll be able to raise more money because you'll have a project. So a lot of these people get projects and then they just use it as a, a fundraising gimmick. So it's a lot harder and it might get to... Of course, after Benny, after the money started drying up, and I'm sure it was drying up when Benny decided he wasn't going to manipulate, then he started manipulating again, and he started collecting the $1,000 seed faith gift. So what's going to happen to Creflo? He's got a big monster to, to support. He's got this humongous house. Uh, you can look the picture up on the Internet. I don't know how many. It might be twenty or 30,000 square feet. It's huge. Plus, he's got a, I don't know, 50 or $60 million jet he has to keep fuel in and pay his pilot. And he has a lot of expenses. Plus, he has all these church properties he has to maintain. So we'll see how long it lasts, and we'll see. We'll see. They always brag, these Word of Faith teachers, that they live by faith, and they're going to tell you how to get things by faith. But let's see. Let's see if he could pass the faith test. <laughs> let's see let's see what happens i hope i hope he does i hope he does because uh he's so well known and people like myself and and some of the other people that i know and love we're not we don't have millions of listeners and we don't uh, at one time okay not at one time we've had We've had over a million listeners over the past 12 years. but And we thank God for that. That that in itself is a miracle. But we don't have these kind of numbers that they have on a continual basis. Of course, they're on national television and international television. So they have a wider audience. So 
you hope you hope that he will continue on in the faith and grow in the in the, in the things of God and teach people the truth and that he will be a real man of God and live by live by the faith that he teaches tries to teach other people to live by it's it's to me it's um it's an oxymoron, really, because you have Jerry Savelle, Kenneth Cope, and Jesse DePlantis. They tell you, we live by faith, and God just blesses us. But yet, they collect tithe money. They collect seed faith offerings, that kind of thing. So that's not living by faith. That's not living by faith. Anyway, we'll see what happens, but there's a video out on YouTube, and I'll pull it up for you in a few minutes if you wanted to go and look at it, the um, the Creflo Dollar turnaround, the Creflo Dollar turnaround. So, <laughs> yeah, we had some, having some crazy things in the news, now as you know, I have my own issues with the former president, Donald Trump. But I heard something this week that was beyond belief. And yet, people were sitting there and, and uh, lapping it up. And they were believing. Then they were reporting it on some of the news channels that the former president actually knew people had guns on January 6th, and he wanted to let them uh, take down the, what do they call those, metrometers or that detect if somebody's carrying a gun into the place where he was speaking. And uh, that he said that he didn't care if they had guns, let them in. Of course, it doesn't make any sense at all because he's standing behind bulletproof glass so if he didn't care about people bringing guns into where he was speaking, why was he standing behind bulletproof glass? He knows that people uh, would try to assassinate him. That didn't make any sense at all. What president of the United States, especially since what happened to John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, when he was riding in an open car and was a target, what president in his right mind stands would stand there without being behind bulletproof glass, and saying, take down those metrometers. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Excuse me. Anyway, the things that detect if somebody's carrying in a weapon, take them down, they said, and let them come in. Uh, no. No, that didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> no. No, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So that that's crazy. They, it's crazy, but there's some there's so many uh, lies, propaganda. There's so much out there right now, and so we have to be wise as serpents and harmless as, dove, as doves. I think that so we're the the way the uh, political world is going 
it's kind of the same in the church where there's so many people lying to people and the, the main reason they lie is because they're trying to get money is the main thing. And so they're greedy for gain, the Bible says. Greedy dogs, <laughs> the Bible call, calls them. And uh, when is it going to stop? And then, of course, we have all these, all this upheaval in the world over the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade, which it was about time. And so there's a, these headlines here that they're going to start prosecuting people for murder. And everybody's upset that uh, the, the states that are going to banish abortion or not allow any abortions in their states. It's a, the, one of the headlines is the coming rise of abortion as a crime. It is a crime. It always was a crime. It always was a crime. It's murder, no matter how you look at it. How it ever became the law of the land was a truly sad day in our history. So, we'll see what happens. It, it's it's a crazy time we're living in where people can't see that, the, that this is a baby living in, in someone's womb and they can't see that they're tearing this child apart. It's it's barbaric and gruesome. But Jesus said that people were blind and we all were blind at one time and but now we see, so we have to pray for these people that God will open up their eyes and, and they can see the truth and that there'll be more homes for unwed mothers and more adoption agencies. There's, there's people that want these babies. There's, a, there's been a shortage for a long time in this country of babies to adopt, so people had to go to foreign countries to do uh, adoptions. And uh, so it would be wonderful, really, if there, if there, and I, I believe there will be more lives that will be saved. So we have our work cut out for us as a church, that's for sure. We have so much yet to do for the Lord and... We will work until he comes, right? There's that song that says, And we will work until he comes. Amen? And we will. We will. Praise the Lord. So we're going to talk today about Oral Roberts. Of course, we know Oral Roberts passed away in 2009. He was born in 1918, and his 
real name was Granville. Granville Oral Roberts. He was ordained in both Pentecostal Holiness and United Methodist Churches. He was the granddaddy of the Seed Faith Movement. He founded the Oral Roberts Evangelistic Association and Oral Roberts University, which he no longer owns. Of course, the Oral Roberts Evangelistic Association is run by his son, Richard. He was one of the first evangelists to do television ministry, and he had his tent meetings televised and of course, at that time, there was only three networks. And I remember seeing Oral Roberts on television. I was sitting in my living room, and I had the TV on. And I don't remember how old I was, 11 or 12, something like that, 13 maybe. And there he was, and he was laying hands on people, and he, and he was... And people were giving their testimonies about how they were getting healed. And I said, Mom, look at this. And she said, that's not real. <laughs> that's not real. I don't doubt that uh, God healed people in his services. I pray for the sick. I used to pray for the sick as far as when I went out and held um, meetings, and I, w I would have a healing line, and I would lay hands on people, and some people got healed. Now, it wasn't me doing the healing, and I actually saw people get healed. I One time when I was praying for this little girl, she must have been 9 or 10, and I don't know, she sprained her arm or something, and she couldn't move it, and then I prayed for her, and then all of a sudden she's swinging her arm around. It scared me. Let me not, it scared me because I'm thinking to myself, oh, because I know I didn't do anything. And I didn't want, in my mind, I'm thinking I don't want her to get hurt, and there she is swinging her, her injured arm around. But God healed her on the spot. So I've seen God heal people, and I know healing is real. So besides the fact that it was Oral Roberts and uh, he later learned to be a con artist, really, but which was a sad, sad end for him. But he had tuberculosis. His life began in poverty and he had he had tuberculosis at the age of 17, and he studied for two years at Oklahoma Baptist University and Phillips University. In 1938, he married Evelyn, who basically became his partner in seed faith conning, the two of them. And he then traveled as a faith healer and went on to earn hundreds of millions of dollars during his life and his ministry. And he also pastored a church at one point. And uh, 
I'm going to play some of these audios, and he talks about the beginnings, and you'll hear this whole beginning of how he came to be teaching on uh, seed faith and what led him to become the man that he was. Here we go. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's my happy privilege and pleasure to present the man that God has raised up with a message for your deliverance. God's man for this hour, the Reverend Oral Roberts. I preached for 12 years. After God healed me of tuberculosis and a stuttering, stammering tongue, without praying for the sick in any manner. And yet I believed in praying for the sick. I knew God had called me to heal you of tuberculosis and a stammering tongue, and you to take my healing power to your generation. But somehow I'd got lost. I had misunderstood. I had failed. And then, in 1947, something happened to me. There was a man who had suffered a terrible accident. He had dropped a heavy object upon his right foot and crushed it. They had called me for prayer. I called a friend, and we rushed out there. When we arrived, the man was suffering so intensely, he was rolling, hollering at the top of his voice. I was struck with compassion. And before I knew what I had done, I had stooped down and touched his right foot in the name of Christ. I straightened up and stepped back. He stopped rolling on the ground. He stopped hollering. Slowly he got up. He began to work his foot back and forth. He took his shoe off his foot, which had been crushed. He, he stomped his foot on the ground. He said, Brother Roberts, what did you do to me? I said, nothing. I was as scared as he was. He said, yes, you did. I said, no, I didn't. He said, when you touched me, what did you do? I said, I asked Christ to heal you. He said, I'm healed. He said, look at my foot. And look at that heavy object I dropped on it. He said, look, I'm healed. My friend standing by me said, Brother Roberts, can you do that all the time? I said, no. He said, if you could, you could bring a revival to mankind. And for months, I heard his words. Can you do this all the time? No. If you could, you could bring a revival to all mankind. I thought to myself, this is what Christ did. This is the power he gave his followers 2,000 years ago. You are to take my healing power to your generation. Why and how have I failed God? Then one night I had a dream. And I had this dream every night for several nights. I'd never walked in my sleep. But every night I woke up walking in my sleep, sobbing and crying and praying. One night my wife found me. She woke me and said, Laura, what are you doing in here? I woke up, and I looked at her. I said, honey, I don't know. She took me back in the bedroom, and we sat down on the side of the bed. She said, Oral, you've been doing this for several nights. Something is wrong. What is it? And I told her my dream. I've never told many people this dream, but I'm going to tell it to you now. I dreamed in that dream that God opened my eyes and let me see as God sees. And he showed me the human race. 
He brought the people by me, by the multiplied millions, and let me see them as they are. And this is what I saw. I saw the vast majority of all people are sick and afflicted in some way. Okay, that's what he saw. So let's hear part two. Either in soul, mind, or body, or in all at the same time. And God let me hear the screaming cry of their tormented condition. He let me see the cancer, the tumor, the tuberculosis, the little afflicted children. He let me hear them scream in the night. And that was the dream that woke me up and caused me to sob and pray as I was doing. Evelyn said, Oral, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. And then God showed me what to do. He said, take your Bible, your New Testament. Take Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, the first five books in your New Testament. Read them through consecutively three different times upon your knees in one month, and I'll show you Jesus. And I did that at various intervals. I would get on my knees. I would spread my Bible out, and I would read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts three different times in 30 days. And at the end, the end of that time, God had shown me Jesus of Nazareth. He seemed to rise up from those pages. He seemed to stand up in my presence, and he had a gentle hand on his wrist. He had a tenderness in his spirit. He was filled with love and compassion. And I saw him reaching to the right and reaching to the left, healing the sick, loving little children, reaching out his hands to the whole world to heal them, to save them, and to make them whole. He said, now, you be like that. And you heal the people as he healed them. Then I knew I would have to do it. I knew I didn't have the power, and I didn't have the courage. So I went to my little study, locked the door, fell on the floor, and told God I would never rise until he spoke to me and let me have his power. How long I lay on the floor, I'll never know, because I didn't watch the time. Time seemed to merge with eternity, and as I lay there, I felt like a tiny spot in this vast universe. I prayed, and I beseeched God to give me his power. If I was to be like Jesus and heal the people as he healed them, I would have to have his power and his anointing. And then he spoke to me. He spoke like a military general. He said, stand on your feet. I got up. He said, go get in your car. I did. He said, drive one block and turn right. I did. When I did that, he said, now, son, from this hour, you will heal the sick and cast out devils by my power. I felt, I felt the flow in of God's power. I felt something going through me like electricity. I felt it in my hands. I felt it all over me. And I knew from that hour, I, I was going out by God's help to set the world on fire. I announced I was going to pray for the sick, and I asked God to give me 1,000 people to supply the financial need and to heal the people so that both they and I would know I was called to pray for the sick. God gave me all three. He gave me the crowd. He supplied the need. He healed the people. And the first one was an old German mother who for 38 years had had a crippled hand like that. And when I touched her hand in Christ's name, it opened. And she screamed, see, see, see my hand? It's healed. It's free. 
I never shall forget her face when her hand opened and she was healed. And from that hour, the crowds began to come. Well, that's when, that's when it all began. That's when it, it all began. He, he had those huge tents. And he even had a tent, I think, that could seat 13,000 people at one point. We don't see those kind of tent meetings anymore. I think I think they're uh, starting up again. I think some preachers are starting with these with tent meetings, which is a, a really old-fashioned way. And and uh, I enjoy a tent meeting. I used to enjoy going to the tent meetings. Yeah. Here's part three. For three thousand a night, five thousand, ten thousand. Our last campaign, our most recent meeting. 13,500 a night average was in the big tent. Now, friends, people don't come unless there's a reason. The Spirit of God must be present to heal the people and set them free. You did not come to hear a man. You come to hear about God and to receive God's power in your life. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Now, friends, the Lord has recently spoke to me on a world outreach to win one million souls to Christ each year. I know I cannot do it alone, but he, he showed me if I'd be faithful and obey, he would give me friends and partners to stand with me. And together, we'd be the first people in history to win one million souls to Christ each 12 months. And I beseech you for your prayers. I beseech you for your earnest partnership and cooperation that for the first time in mankind's long, sordid history, one group will reach out their hands and bring a million in to Jesus Christ. Will you say amen? Amen. And now, listen to me. Many people say, Brother Roberts, how can you keep up this tremendous, grueling pace? How can you stand up to praying for thousands of people, staying away from home and going through this, going around the world? I'll tell you how. Because I love Jesus Christ of Nazareth more than I love myself. I love Jesus more than I love my wife, and she's not jealous. She knows I love him more than I love her, and she isn't envious. I love him more than I love my four children, and they know it, and they're not jealous. Jesus is the only one who fully understands me, who really completely loves me. Yes, I reach out my hands to him, and I feel him take hold of them. I walk and talk with him. He's the sweetest, his is the sweetest name I ever heard. He's mine and I'm his. I love him with all my heart. And I've dedicated my life to this mission that all the days of my life, I will obey God. I will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I will give myself to him. And every day and every night, I seek new ways. How, Lord, can I serve you better? How can I love you more? I have made this decision for my life. This is my mission. He's called me to preach the gospel to win souls and to heal the sick. And I say to you, if you will listen to me, I will show you how that you can receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and how he will heal the sicknesses and diseases in your body and how he will make you whole from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Only believe. It sounded good way back then, didn't it? I think that was some 
that audio came from like the 1950s or the 1960s. Anyway, it was before he got into this whole seed faith thing. And uh, then he started manipulating and and, uh, getting into, it's a slippery slope. And I, I think most ministries go through this kind of thing where there's a temptation, there's a slight temptation to compromise because he's uh, apparently he says, and who knows, that God's given him this big vision, and then later on, of course, his visions got bigger and bigger, and he needed more money and more money and more money, and he wound up manipulating people to get the money, and it really was a sad end. It really was a sad end. But here's, here's a, a little clip of how he wound up. Lori, would you come and stand in Evelyn's place? Evelyn, would you come stand by me? Now, Brother Copeland and your dear wife, Gloria, would you look at us? Look on us. Silver and gold have we plenty. plenty. That was later on, many years later, when he was at a Kenneth Copeland meeting. Yeah. What good does it do? If you can't finish your race with your reputation and your integrity. Anyway. Here's a, we're going to play a couple clips now of how he came to know of seed faith. Paul, it's a great honor to me to be here tonight. Bless you, sir. I'm 91 years old. I'm in in good health and expect to live until God carries me home. I bring you greetings from my personal family to you and Jan and to Paul and Matthew and uh, to be with you is a privilege because TBN is the is the largest network in the world and when I speak here I'm speaking throughout America and to the nations of yes. the earth yes sir And it's a wonderful place to lift up my voice and to praise God and to know that I'm welcome. I I have my grandson, John Oral Nash, the only one named after me. And he's the oldest of the four grandsons I have. I have uh, six six granddaughters 
and, and four grandsons and uh, 13 great-grandchildren. <laughs> I have there's, there's 25 or six of us in the, in the family. And uh, I was thinking of you today, Paul, and of Jan. I was with you shortly after you, you went on the air. What year were, were you uh, going on the air? 73. Seventy-three. I was with you because uh, there weren't many preachers around for you to call in those days. No. <laughs> well, they were around, but they wouldn't call. <laughs> you, you, you called me, and I came and I preached through the years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I was on several praise-a-thons, and this is my first one in a few years. To sit here in the presence of God. And think about the miracle of seed faith. It's the joy of my life. It was in a dire strait of circumstances where I was at the end of my rope financially. I was pastor of a small church in Enid, Oklahoma in 1949, in 1947. And uh, we didn't have a place to live. We had been called to pastor that church, and we came with great expectations to find that the church was out of money, <laughs> they, they, they owned no parsonage, and there was no move to, to buy one. And I came into it, and a member of the church invited us to stay a few nights in their home, and we went, and they, they had to move to Denver and left us without money, without a place to live. I had a wife and children, and uh, very hungry children, too. <laughs> and uh, Evan asked me when I was going to have the money to buy groceries on Saturday. Well, I couldn't answer her except to say God will provide. But I'd been saying that a long time, and I'd been giving. I'd be, I love to give. But I was taught that I was not to receive anything back. I was to give blindly. There was no knowledge of seed faith in the world, to my knowledge, at that time. And one night, one prayer meeting night, I went to church alone. I got up to preach. And I had my check of the last week in my pocket to sign the next day. Of $55. That was my total amount of money. Your salary. It was my salary, plus I had to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I got up in the pulpit to preach. And while I was preaching, the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart. Mm -hmm. I heard every word he said. Give your week's salary in the offering right now. He said that he was in dire straits. Basically, he's saying that trusting God for my money wasn't enough. So, let's see what happened. And I said back to the Lord, you mean right during my sermon? He said, yes, <laughs> right during your sermon. I oh. reached in my pocket and pulled out a check of $55, laid it on the, on the Mourner's Beach, told the people what I was doing, 
And if any of them wanted to help me raise the down payment on a, on a, on a parsonage, I would appreciate it. And to my surprise, we, we raised the whole thing that night. That night. That, that night. Now, you, you missed one part there. Uh, didn't Evelyn say she was going to go home to Mama if you didn't get her a house? <laughs> yes. I, I, w I went home elated. I was praising God, and, w and when I got there, I found an unhappy wife. <laughs> she, she told me she'd heard what had happened, <laughs> and, uh, and she's going to take the children the next day home to Mother. <laughs> Oh, until dear. until I got control of myself <laughs> and, and could find the money to, to buy a place or rent a place, we, 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 we didn't have $10 to our wow. name. Wow. And uh, I said, Evelyn, you wouldn't do that. She said, you watch me. Dear <laughs> <laughs> God. And I said, "Well, hold off just, just, just a, just a little, little bit." And she was not in any mood to hold back. <laughs> I had the sweetest wife in the world, but she wasn't sweet that night. <laughs> and we went to bed. And at four o'clock, loud knock came on the front door. I got up to answer it, and it was a member of the church who was a farmer a big wheat farmer. And he said, Pastor, may I come in? I said, of course. He came in and had four $100 bills in his hand. I looked at them. I wondered what he's doing with them. I didn't have any money. And he said, Pastor, let me tell you, I'm about to lose my farm. I have been taking the seed and 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 not planting it. I've been playing Wall Street. I know nothing about Wall Street mm -hmm. and taking my money. And uh, I came over here tonight. This is not money. This is not just money. This $400 is set. And I'm planting it in your hands right now. I reached out my hand. I took, I took the four $100 bills in my hand while she's still talking. <laughs> sure. We, we, we were so hungry for a little money, we, we'd have done nearly, nearly anything. And uh, I hugged it in my hand, and he said, Pastor, this is not just money. This is seed. I'd never heard that expression in my life. I said, this is seed. He said, it is. I'm planting this seed in your hand that you might pray with me that I might save my farm. And he got up. He got up and left the house. And my wife came in and, and I showed her the money. And uh, I said, Evelyn, this is not just money. This is seed. <laughs> <laughs> and 
we we went back to bed and didn't sleep much, and we got up early, and uh, the whole day was taken with that seed, a full one hundred dollar bill. Yeah, yeah. Notice that he never heard of seed phase before that. Now, can you imagine? Someone's coming to you. They're desperate. They're going to lose their house. They only have $400 to their name. And they give it to you. And they tell you that, I've given you this money so you'll pray for me that I don't lose my farm or my house. Who would do that, number one? There would be no way that we should take somebody's last money and so that we could pray for them so that they wouldn't lose their house or their farm, as was the instance here. And like he said, well, we would have done just about anything for the money. And he did. And he did. Wow. I never remembered having a $100 bill in my hand in my whole life. Really? I was pastoring that church, and the salary was $55 a week. And that was all you got. <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> and uh, I said, Evelyn, this is seed money. This is seed. And I was f- finding my way, trying to find the right words to, to, to talk. Mm-hmm. And I said, if this is seed, we've been on the wrong track. We have been giving and giving and giving $5.50 a week for, <laughs> for all these, all this time. And uh, we've not been expecting anything back. Nobody taught in those days that there was a harvest at the end of every seed that you sowed. Right. right. Nobody taught it. And if you prospered, you were judged by, by the people. Mm-hmm. And Paul, you, you remember that. Oh, I know. And uh, poverty, we were in the very depths of, uh, of poverty, and things w- were not getting any better. And I said, this $400 bills is seed, and we can't spend it. I'm going to sow it mm. in God's kingdom to this very day. Wow. And she said, Oral, can we have enough to go to the grocery store and get groceries for the children? I said, yes. Yes, you, you, you can take a $100 bill and go to the grocery store and buy the store out. <laughs> and uh, I took the $300 and planted them in God's work. Wow. And it wow. was the sweetest feeling ever had in my life. I said, I I was raised on a farm, Evelyn, and and my dad taught me about farming, about sowing seed and reaping a harvest. And the Bible calls it seed time and harvest in uh, Genesis chapter 6. Seed time and harvest. That's the first place I know in the Bible where it speaks so plainly 
about seed faith. And then it runs through, through, through the Bible. Jesus took it. And in, in Matthew 7, uh, 20, 7.20, he said, if, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, yes, if you have faith so small as a mustard seed is, you can speak to this mountain of your need yes, and tell it to, to remove. Yes. And it'll leave. It, it, will, it will remove. Amen. And then nothing shall be impossible unto you. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about the founding of Seed Faith. I was talking to my wife about it, and I, I, I told her that I had to plant the $300 that was left to me, and that I was going to plant it as a seed for us to come out of our trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was giving myself the, the occasion of the harvest. Yes. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers into his harvest. For, for the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And I was one of the few. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I took that money and I sold it in the kingdom of God. And the Lord's spirit came in my spirit and let me know that if I would get into, into seed faith, I coined the phrase seed faith. I know. And uh, I said, I can amount to something as a preacher. Wow. He, he, then he blames God. And he says, if I could get into seed faith, I could amount to something as a preacher. Teaching give to get gospel, which is totally unbiblical. But he uses that scripture in Matthew. Jesus never said anything about give me some money, and when you give me some money, then I'll bless you. Jesus never said that. He was talking about having faith, as small as a grain of mustard seed. That's pretty small. And that's how ministers are supposed to operate their ministries, is by faith believing God to meet their needs. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. You don't give because you have a need. What, is, what, what would Oral Roberts do with that scripture? He's saying that he had to give the money so he could really become something as a preacher. And then he could have his needs met because he was always talking that, taught that when you give, don't ever expect anything in return. That's not supposed to be our motive for giving. It's totally unbiblical. And he created the whole monster of seed faith giving, which is so prevalent today. And we we see the abuses today. And it's brought a reproach to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I can come out this poverty syndrome that I've been on for 12 years. I started $15 a week 12 years before. At the end of 12, I was at $55. Yeah. And uh, we didn't have anything to, to speak of. And I said, I'm in the mess. I'm going to mess with you, Evelyn. Mess with my children. Mess with, with my family. Mm. I mess with, with my church. The church is out of money. The, the, the church has had very little, little to help me with. And right in the midst of my poverty, I planted that money. Wow. And I had the sweetest feeling in my heart mm. that I was doing the right thing. And I called it Seed Faith. Mm. And I've been calling it Seed Faith 63 years. I had never asked God for anything. But that night, I did. I said, God, what am I going to get out of this now? Okay. You talked about seed time and harvest. I, I know that the seed has to be sown. If I don't plant the seed, nothing's going to happen. But then comes time. There's a, there's a, there's a time for the seed to grow, sure. to come up out the earth and to produce and produce a harvest. Who gets the harvest, Lord? How about me getting a harvest? Amen. I'd never said that before in my life. <laughs> Can I have a harvest? And he, he didn't say anything except my, my spirit was real warm. We're uh, really getting hot in my heart. And uh, I had no wreck of a car uh, out front. I had uh, started to park in front of my house and had run into a man's car real lightly. And, and I found out who he was. I went next door, knocked on it, and he came and I said, Sir, is that your car? He said, Yes. I said, I've just run into it. He said, Why did you tell me? I said, Because I ran into it, and I'm an honest man. And that man, the next day, came over to my house where I was mowing the lawn. <laughs> and uh, he, he said, hey, young preacher, come over here a minute. And I came over. He said, that old car of yours is a, is a wreck, isn't it? I said, it is. He said, I happen to be the Buick dealer in Eden, Oklahoma. Oh. I, want, I want you to come down in the morning. You come down in the morning, bring your wife, and I'm going to put you in a brand new Buick. People talk to me about there's no harvest. You shouldn't expect, you shouldn't expect to reap a harvest, but that's where the church has failed. Amen. It's why many of us are in poverty. We have not gone beyond the seed planting and reaped our harvest. And our harvest is what God has for us. Yeah. Our seed is what we have for God. The harvest is the seed multiplied 
scores of times that God has for us. Yes, yes. And we went the next day and got that new car. Wow. And Evelyn and I got in it and drove home. It was, and I kept saying, it smells so good, Evelyn. It <laughs> smells so good. And she said, pull over on the side of the highway. And I pulled over and uh, she said, get out of the car and put your hands on, on the top of the car with mine. I did it, and I said, what are we doing? And she said, let's just praise the Lord. I I wondered what the people in the cars whizzing by were thinking with two young people with their hands on top of the car. That was his beginning. That was his beginning. And then the light bulb went off in his head. And uh, they had more money coming in than they knew what to do with at one point. They they spent $500 million building the City of Faith Hospital and Medical Research Center. And we're going to get into all that next week. This is part one of the introduction of uh, how Oral Roberts got into the ministry, how he coined the phrase seed faith, which he said he never heard before, which it didn't exist. People didn't teach this kind of thing. And what does the Bible say in Matthew 6, 33? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's that's the ultimate in giving. Remember the apostle, when the apostle Paul was leaving, was it Malta? Was he leaving Malta? And he said, as they cried on his neck, because they didn't want him to go, and he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that should be our mindset, is that we give because it's more blessed to give than to receive. We want to see things, to see people blessed. And God sees it. God sees it. And I don't have to beg God and, and uh, manipulate God to do things for me. God looks at the heart. He says he looks at the heart. So do you think that God's going to honor a wicked heart that says, God, I'm only giving this money because what's in it for me? Nobody teaches their children to do that. We don't even teach our children to give, to get. Do you think God's going to teach his children that? (laughs) No. No. God knows what we need, and he knows what we need before we ask him. The Bible says that he's never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And we don't have to beg. We don't have to beg people. don't have to beat people over the head 
We don't have to hand people seed faith gifts. We don't have to pay for miracles. We don't have to pay for the curse to be lifted. <laughs> all these things, all the things that we need from God, he knows even before we ask, like any good father or mother. The Apostle Paul says, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Ye, yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing, sorrowing most of all for the words that he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. They loved him. They loved the Apostle Paul because he told them the truth. And he ministered to them without asking for seed faith gifts. He didn't say to them, what's in it for me to come here and minister to you? He didn't say that. And no minister of the Lord Jesus Christ should say that. Oh, dear. We've got a long way to go. We've got a long way to go to try to correct this error, and it's been such a devastating error. But that was Acts chapter 20. That, that I just read. But that was that's the attitude. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, the Apostle Paul says. And he did, and he did. So that should be our attitude. So some people say, well, how do you get things from God? You ask. <laughs> Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. And that's the way we get things from God, the things that we need. It's not by bribing God. It's not by selfish motives. So anyway, that's our introduction for today. And we'll continue next week with the rest of the story, how Oral Roberts built his university, his hospital, what happened in the end to uh, their university, what happened to Richard Roberts and uh, some of their family members. Yeah. So you could see some of these old uh, videos. You could see them on YouTube. There's many videos of his tent crusades and of his early days of uh, Richard Roberts and his first wife, Patty, who later wrote a book, Ashes to Gold, 
I used to have that book. I wish I still had it. I probably gave it to somebody to read and never got it back. But after they got divorced, she wrote a book about her time with the Roberts family. And it, it was it was highly criticized, but I thought it was a very good book. And she talks about the wealth, the extreme wealth of the Roberts family. And uh, how they were exploiting people, which which they did. They did, and they did it in the name of Jesus. And it's a sad legacy. It's a very, very sad legacy. So no matter what all Roberts did or what anybody else did, the most important thing is, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 5.12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So some people say, well, I'm a good person. I I don't sin. No, all have sinned. There was only one righteous person that ever walked the earth, and that was the Lord Jesus. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your life today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Get a Bible, read it, enjoy it, and enjoy your brand new life in Christ. God bless you. And if you need to contact me, you can email me, susan at propheticnews.com. And uh, don't forget to check out our website, Prophetic News, and our YouTube channel, Susan Puzio. And I want to thank all my listeners around the world, in South Africa, United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and especially the United States. God bless you all. See you next week. Blessed be his